Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. I'm Ruri Barlow. I'm going to be your host today. We're uh, analysing match day eight and joined by Roman de Arquer to to analyse what was a really quite entertaining La Liga weekend for me. I think not all of the games were stunning, but they were tense, they were tight, they were interesting. First things first, how are you doing, Roman? I'm good. Uh, just watched the Barca game and as I was telling you, a bit stressed out because that ending was really tough because, you know, Celta had those... Really, really good chances, but in the end we got the three points. That's the important thing. So we'll analyze this uh, now with you. Yeah, we've you've segued into it quite nicely there. Barcelona stayed top of the table by the skin of their teeth, <laughs> as Iago Aspas said in the post-match interview. We did more than enough to draw here, and certainly in that second half, I think Barcelona started pretty well. They got off off the mark with a Pedri goal that was kind of gifted to them in a certain sense, but then things kind of. Uh, they, they evened out a little bit in the rest of the first half and then they got into that second half and by the end they were really hanging on weren't they Roman? Yeah absolutely I mean Celta had some very very good chances I mean they kept putting pressure on Barca um, the second half you know they, they came out a different team Celta looked much more motivated uh, were pressing really high Barca were really struggling to, to have the ball to move the ball I think they maybe shot like once uh, on goal in the second half it was honestly uh, very disappointing on Barca's side, not capable of finding a way to like slow down the pace. And Celta, credit to them, you know, because they kept going forward, pushing. And every time they had the ball, they really were capable of creating, combining with each other, finding the spaces. And they hit the post, they had their stick and save, they had the defenders throwing themselves in the middle. I mean, they easily could have even won the game, I'd say, because uh, Celta were, were very good in that second half, as we said. Obviously, we have you from kind of a Barcelona point of view. What for you was the most worrying out of this? Because we're obviously coming off the back of well, they got a win against Mallorca last weekend. That was also kind of tight. It was fairly tense, and then they obviously fell to Inter in midweek. Coming off that kind of run of three games, which have really contrasted from before the international break to after the international break, what are the things about this Barcelona side that are making you the most concerned? I think. Well, I think that the, the instability, maybe the lack of consistency, because before we were seeing a very dominant Barcelona capable of, you know, creating really good chances, which they're still generating um, good ones, but maybe not as many. And of course, they're they're luck- lacking that, uh, that that final goal, you know, the final uh, pushing the ball right into the net. And I mean, they had some decent chances in the first half today in this game against Celta de Vigo, but then you know they just 
were incapable of, of creating. And I think that's a big problem that Xavi's bars had at the moment. And it is worrying because, you know, the games that are coming up are, are very important. We're talking Inter Milan. I mean, not winning against them or, or drawing could be very bad for us in the sense that we might not even qualify to the next round. And then, of course, uh, the Clásico with Real Madrid. That's going to be a big game uh, to see who stays on top of the standings. So, I mean... Especially that capability you know, of, of having more pause, more control, that's worrying me more because I know the goals sooner or later should come back. And then certain players which start off really well maybe and now are starting to maybe lose a bit of that rhythm, like Dembele being the clear example. He looked really good to start of the season. I, I was really impressed to see uh, one of the best Dembele's or the best Dembele I've ever seen here at Barcelona. But then suddenly he's kind of it's faded away a bit, you know. And then uh, Rafinha, who also started quite well, he also hasn't really found his rhythm. You know, there's these kind of uh, players that had a lot of impact or had the possibility of impacting and now have just lost a bit of that uh, capability they had. So hopefully Xavi can do something about this because it is worrying and he was basically incapable of changing the team or reacting well enough to change the situation against Celta. It was just constantly a threat in the second half and nothing seems to, to, to fix that. Yeah, it's interesting that kind of analysis you've given there. I think for me, the two games before Inter and Mallorca were slightly different in that Barcelona were unimpressive and they weren't incisive from my point of view, but they were they did kind of control the game, whereas against Celta, that was totally the opposite. I think Barcelona, they obviously got the goal and probably took their foot off the gas a little bit. I think that was probably a factor. Mm -hmm. Add in the sort of makeshift back four, you had Marcos Alonso at centre-half, you had Jordi Alba at left-back and Alejandro Balde on the right. This was not... The, the sort of back four that Xavi Hernandez wants to be lining up. <laughs> Gerard sure, Piquet yeah. was in the middle. <laughs> he was um, he was actually out, outstanding, I think, for, mm -hmm. for Barcelona today. But yeah, I think those two games are different because this game against Celta, Barcelona really lost control and they, they looked like they did at times last season when they couldn't sort of close games out or they couldn't sort of manage games properly. They lacked that pausa. So mm -hmm. definitely concerning for Xavi, I think. Again, again, these two games as well. I think Rafinha. I think he has all the ingredients to be a really great Barcelona player, but right now he's trying too hard. He's making the wrong decisions. There's an instance where they're under pressure with about 15, 20 minutes to go, and he tries to skin the player, loses the ball, and Barcelona receive another wave of an attack. It <laughs> nearly ends in a goal, and it's just, I, 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 yeah, I think it's the sort of thing that will make Camp now lose its mind because <laughs> it was just such a poor decision. Yeah. Lewandowski in this game as well was was particularly missing. Absolutely. Going into that, yeah, going into that Inter game, just what what kind of lineup do you think Xavi's gonna gonna pick? I think it was Gavi, Pedri, and Busquets in midfield. I kind of imagine that'll be the case again up front. Who would you go for against Inter? Well, obviously we're gonna have Lewandowski there, uh, despite as you said not really appearing in this game because uh, I don't know if he even had a shot. Well, he had one shot that uh, Mark Marquezine saved, but I think it was offside, so I don't know if it counts. Uh, so he will start definitely because we all know how important he is to this team when he's when he's uh, at a good level, and then. Probably Dembele, that's why I think uh, Xavi rested him in this match, you know, give him some rest because he's had really uh, a lot of minutes in his legs. He's been playing a lot of football, to be fair on him. Uh, so I guess uh, that's why he didn't play today from the start. But I know we know how Xavi really values him, so I'd say he'll start on one side. And on the other side, it's, it's a big question. I don't know if he's going to make some strange change or he's just going to maybe trust Ansu Fati, who also rested for this game. Uh, he did look okay today. I mean, he didn't really have an impact, but some moments of... 
some flashes or instances where he seemed like he had a bit of more pace, more um, he dared to do stuff which lately he hasn't been doing, so maybe he might give him an opportunity. Uh, but I don't know if he'll want more control, so maybe he might even play with another midfielder. I don't know, with maybe um, Frankie the Young in the middle and maybe put Gabi out wide in that position where he can help build, etc. So, so it'll be interesting to see what he does in those attacking positions. Interesting, certainly. And just finally on Barcelona, for this intergame, Wednesday night, Camp Nou will be full for it. I think it's. I think it might already be sold out. What do you think is going to happen? How do you think they'll get on? Well, I mean, in normal circumstances, I'd say we'd we'd manage a win at home against Inter Milan. But seeing how this game went, you know, uh, you have more doubts. I still think Xavi will be capable of motivating the team enough for such an important game. I think we'll we'll come out to dominate. Also, Inter will try and sit back. You know, we'll try and go and, and find those counters as, as they did basically in the first uh, in the first game there at San Siro you know they they were really good countering waiting behind they were really solid really tight and I think that their game plan is going to be practically the same one because it worked really well the only thing of course is that the Inter players won't have the fans there supporting them with a high uh, the same pressure that uh, they did at the at San Siro so um, in that sense I think Barca will just try and have the ball try and control the thing which didn't really happen today except for maybe some moments in the first half and then from there on you know try to build find Lewandowski find Dembele and and generate those opportunities and hopefully we'll get a win although seeing how things have gone in these last few games it won't be easy definitely not it will be fascinating one way or another to see <laughs> what happens on Wednesday of course last Champions League match we saw a manager sacked off the back of it Julian Lopetegui lost his job Jorge Sampaoli returned to the club and in his first match, it was one of the, on paper, one of the best games of the weekend for me. Sevilla ended up drawing 1-0 with a athletic club. Mikel Vesca scored a brilliant strike, sort of with about 10 minutes to go, and that equalised an early Oliver Torres goal. Ended all level. I think most Sevilla fans were okay with this first start. What did you kind of see from this first match? Well, I saw the confirmation of Athletic Club being a very strong side. I think this is one of their hardest tests, we could say, even though Sevilla, we know they're not their best. But uh, so far, Athletic's calendar, I think, has been uh, not easy, but it hasn't been too difficult. Now the tougher teams are going to start uh, piling up one after the other. And definitely visiting Sevilla, their stadium, is always always a difficult game. And, you know, in the end, they, they, they did, as they usually do, they generated an attack, they went forward. Maybe they didn't have the precision they've had in previous games, but they look sharp and, I mean... Um, they had their chances and, and they, you can tell that Valverde has really made a very solid and consistent uh, team out of basically the same squad that uh, they had last season so that, that gives it even more credit you know because I kind of felt that this season maybe Valverde would struggle to get more out of these players that already kind of overperformed in a way last season uh, finishing in the top half of the table but uh, credit to Valverde because what he's doing is, is pretty incredible and on the other hand uh, we thought that maybe Sevilla could do something with a new manager sort of change that comes in when, when a new guy comes in you know the impact he may have and it looked good with a really early goal from Oliver Torres uh, but in the end you can still see there are problems in that squad that uh, San Paoli has a lot of work to do because I mean the players themselves the squad itself is, is pretty good I mean you look player by player and you say oh damn you know this this is a really good team that should be able to fight for another Europa League or for, for a lot of things but then they really have some internal issues to fix and in terms of how they're playing football but definitely a draw at home to start off against a very strong athletic club I think is a decent result and of course I hope fans have patience uh, with Sampaoli because it's hard uh, I mean the, the fans of Sevilla 
really want the most out of their team and are going to be uh, very intense, but uh, they have to always be patient if they can. Yeah, it'll be an interesting watch for Sevilla because for, for me, the one thing, I saw them kind of run more, I saw them try more things, I thought, saw them be like a bit more daring on mm-hmm. the ball, which is something that has really been lacking. And yeah. if San Paoli can kind of claim that back, that's big. But also, footballing-wise, and okay, he's been in the job three days, we can't expect him to have uh, sprung some tactical revolution <laughs> in that time. But also, I looked at a squad that is pretty limited, that doesn't have a lot of pace, and I'm wondering just quite how well they'll be able to fit to San Paoli's needs and, and wants, certainly in that side. But I'll finish up on Sevilla, unless you have any final thoughts from the Sanchez Pizjuan. Well, I mean, just the lineup maybe was a bit surprising from San Paoli's side, like also changing the goalkeeper, uh, playing Dimitrovic, uh, starting Oliver Torres, who I thought maybe he wouldn't consider as important, and keeping Gudel, who for me, well, I don't rate him that much but I don't know just quite a he made quite a big change in terms of the formation but I mean it kind of paid off in the end so I mean I guess he knows what he's doing in that sense and finally I think it may be the first time or one of the first few games where uh, the two new center backs managed to play together even though uh, one of them had to be subbed off sooner but uh, seeing Marcao and then uh, Kwasi was 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 good finally yeah I don't think you're the only one that is not Nemanja Gudeli's Biggest fan, but uh, mo- moving on to the other Basque side, Real Sociedad got a very impressive one 0 win over Villarreal. I thought I thought they were absolutely terrific. I have to say they they dominated the game for about 75, 80 minutes and didn't quite make it show on the scoreline. But but this was a really good performance from La Real, and perhaps they are likely to be Betty's closest challengers for that fourth spot, along with Athletic. Absolutely, I think uh, Real are really impressing. I mean. Despite they have, they've had massive or very big changes in their squad this season, of course, with Isak leaving. Also, they're having lots of injury problems. And despite all of that, you know, uh, this team keeps playing very good football, keeps being a very consistent side. Uh, I mean, what the manager has been doing here is, is really impressive. And also, like, signings like uh, Bryce Mendez, his impact has been so good this season. He's scoring goals every few games. Uh, then Kubo is also looking sharp. Soros didn't have his best, ga- best game today, but since coming back, he's also been important for them. So, I mean, uh, despite these these important changes, I mean, Garitano is, is doing a, a fantastic job. And, yeah, I mean, Villarreal, honestly, are disappointing on the other hand. You know, they're not really... Uh, doing what they should be capable of doing with the squad they have. Uh, in the Europa League, you see them scoring tons of goals and, and dominating. Of course, it's the Conference League. It's not maybe the most uh, important European competition, but still, you know, there, there's, there's players like Danjuma, there's Lo Celso, there's Parejo, uh, there's Pino. These, these, this team should be capable of more and not so dependent on and Gerard Moreno, who whenever he's, he's away, you can tell there's something missing going forward in attack. They're missing that, that player who can finish those opportunities. So uh, Emery needs to start uh, working on that because last season, let's not forget, he was really close to leaving Villarreal. There was a lot of pressure on him. Uh, and at the moment, he's going down the same path, it seems. Yeah, 100%. Bryce did get the winner for, for uh, Aguacil and that kind of, yeah, sealed the game for Real Sociedad after a really good Miguel Marino pass. I'd, I'd encourage you to go and check that out if you haven't. Villarreal, yes, as you say, sort of 11 goals in three games in the Conference League and 10 goals in eight in La Liga. They're obviously missing Gerard Moreno, but this is a, 
it's not a new problem, as you say. Like, I mean, Jared Moreno was missing for much of last season. We saw the same problems. He has other attackers. Morales, I thought, added something a little bit different today. I thought he was better than what they've been showing so far in La Liga. How, I think the manner of Unai Emery's, the way he goes about games is so frustrating for fans. How long is it going to be before Villarreal fans or perhaps even the Villarreal board get on his back or does he have a clean slate just because of the kind of European runs? Well, uh, as I said, I think um, it will end up being a problem if he doesn't start getting better results because honestly, they have a squad at least to be fighting for top four uh, this season. Also seeing how other important teams are struggling like uh, Betis themselves, uh, like Atletico Madrid, Real Sociedad started off a bit worse, but now, you know, they've really uh, jumped back into a really good level. So, I mean, they're, they're definitely a tough competition. But, I mean, the others I mentioned are easily player, uh, teams that could be there and that uh, Villarreal could get past or could do better than, but they're not making the most of this, you know. So, uh, they're definitely going to want Emery to, to qualify for the Champions League this season. I think it's probably uh, the main objective, seeing that they're not playing Europa League, they're not playing the Champions League, Conference League. If they win it, okay, but that's definitely not the main objective for this season. It's La Liga, it's qualifying top four. So uh, if the results don't start coming uh, sooner rather than later, they're going to start jumping on him again, there's no doubt. And just finally for part one, Real Betis went to Valladolid today and drew 0-0. They dropped points. German Petzela was sent off early on. And that kind of really tipped the game in Valladolid's favour. And I think Betis only managed, I think, a shot on target. I think it was four shots in total. It's, are we starting to see that kind of drop-off we predicted from the, the thin squad that Betis do have, ultimately? Yeah, it could be that. But also, I mean, who can predict that every game you're going to get a guy sent off, you know, in the first half? I mean, that does not help at all. Uh, I mean, Betis has started really well. They look like they could actually jump on that, that top four uh, quite soon into the competition but I mean now they're really messing up and it's the second sending off for Petzela this season there was another sending off from uh, Luis Enrique I think it was uh, Luis Felipe Luis in Felipe, the yeah. previous game uh, they had so I mean if they have this this constant trouble with, with sending off then, then there's really not much you can do you know I mean the, Despite that, they, they try, they try to do their best, but uh, Valladolid are a solid team, you know, it's hard to break past their defense, especially if you're a man down. And also, let's not forget, Fekir, he got injured again from the same problem he had, and Fekir, we know how he, important he is, uh, because let's not forget, uh, Betis had a really good game against Roma, they got a very good result, 2-1 win away against a strong European side, so I mean, they have the quality, they have the capability, uh, their squad may be a bit thinner than it, it should be, uh, but despite that, I mean, they should be winning these games, and I'm quite sure that if they'd managed to stay on with 11 players in the end they might have scratched to win yeah definitely and uh, as you say that performance against Roma went down very well with the Betis fans who were celebrating it not quite like a trophy but it was definitely a big European away night at the Stadio Olimpico but we're going to wrap things up for the first half of the show we will be back pretty shortly and we'll be analysing the Madrid teams and then some of the ones towards the bottom and some of the ones making a rise to the top, including Gennaro Gattuso's Valencia. So don't go anywhere, and we'll see you in a second. I'm 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to part two of the La Liga Lowdown. Match day eight recap. My name is Ruri Barlow. I'm joined by Roman de Arquer. In the first half of the show, we analysed one half of the classical duo as well as many of La Liga's European teams. Now we're going to move on to the Madrid side of things, starting with the champions, the Champions League champions too. Real Madrid got a 1-0 victory away to Hatafe. They did lose that game last season. It was a tight enough game though and an early Eder Militao goal was enough for Real Madrid but it's certainly didn't impress at the Colosseum Alfonso Perez, did they, Roman? Yeah, I mean, I think they kind of felt like they had to get the job done. Uh, they also knew that they'd had some bad or poor results in previous or recent seasons against Getafe, so uh, usually we thought that Getafe was kind of uh, a Madrid B team where they managed to get their points quite easily at, at, against them, but uh, of recent it's been quite the opposite, and Getafe are really of um, the force against uh, against Real Madrid and they're making it really tough for them and honestly you could tell that this game uh, Getafe's game plan was to just you know wait until the last 10, 15, 20 minutes of the game you know and try and, and snatch a goal there because defensively they were pretty solid they were closing down and trying to make Madrid suffer you know in that sense although it's really hard when Madrid you know they just push they just push even if they're not playing too well you know they're very efficient going forward and in the end, they didn't really have to do that because they got that early goal, as you mentioned. So uh, that really helped them uh, not to worry maybe as much, even though Getafe did have their chances. Uh, but as you said, yeah, they're not looking sharpest uh, we've seen this season. Um, but I do kind of feel like this season, Real Madrid are, as I said before, more efficient. Like uh, Ancelotti is taking them to a level where um, it doesn't matter if they play good or, or not. They don't play too well, but they usually get a good result. Uh, even though finally Osasuna managed to take a point, a few points of them the other day. Uh, but despite that, you know, at the moment they're getting the job done. Like in Champions League against Shakhtar, they got the job done to one. Uh, little by little, you know, they're building their, their project and, and doing things correctly. 
And of course, for me, not having cross can always maybe limit a bit uh, your capabilities of having the ball going forward. But still, they have they have plenty of quality. Schwarmani is looking fantastic. Modric doesn't seem to age, and Valverde is also exploding this year. So despite not having players like Benzema, etc., uh, they're still capable of, of getting the job done. Yeah, I think it's it's funny. I think Real Madrid, because we've seen them do it, because they are the champions, we know exactly what they're capable of and the way that they can kind of ease off and, and then turn it on in big moments or when they need to. I think the analysis that we do for Real Madrid is always different to, say, like Barcelona, which is a team that kind of needs to prove itself. It needs to prove that it's good. So if one of them has a, a champions win, as they put it, a, a game <laughs> where you kind of don't play too well, but you just kind of squeeze out a win then it's analysed differently. Although, that said, Real Madrid were better than Barcelona um, this weekend before before the blowback hits me. <laughs> um, you mentioned Karim Benzema there. He was absent. He, he has sort of a, an overload is what Ancelotti described it as. He missed the Hitafe game. He's back in the squad for Shakhtar and um, the trip to Poland where they'll be playing Shakhtar in midweek and he should be fit for the Classico. Thibaut Courtois is not. Last season... A lot of Real Madrid, as good as they were, and they, they were a good sort of, well, Modric, Valverde, you mentioned some of the names there. As good as they were, Benzema and Courtois were the two decisive players. How much of a miss and how, how much does it weaken Real Madrid if those two aren't at the peak of the game? Well, they're definitely, as you said, very important players, so I think not having them uh, in important games will be a problem against maybe not smaller sides, we could say, such as Getafe, etc. Maybe they can get they won't struggle as much, but when like a Barcelona comes, when they play a Bayern Munich and Inter, etc., etc., like the stronger sides, uh, if they ever meet in the Champions League, then it's going to be tough not to have Courtois. As you said, it was absolutely crucial last season. He was making some tremendous saves, and I think he still was pretty decent at the start of the season. So for me, that's a big miss. And Benzema is also a big miss, even though this season he's been a bit more criticized, maybe not performing to the same level, but let's not forget, you know, uh, he has an age, and he's their main reference in attack. Thankfully, now Vinicius has really stepped up his game and he's helping a lot. And Sohar Rodrigo has really uh, done a fantastic job so far. But it was surprising to see that Real Madrid didn't really bring in another number nine, taking into account Benzema's age, taking into account that it, uh, he will likely get injured more often. They won't be able to count on him uh, as, on a regular basis as they used to. Uh, so basically, knowing that Eden Hazard doesn't really count much for the team, Asensio counts now and then, and then you have... Uh, well, Mariano, who really has never adapted well to this squad. It was a very strange uh, to see that no one else was coming. But, I mean, now they're aware. Uh, they were aware of this. And they, I imagine they knew this could happen. And they took the risk. And now, well, it's, it's the problem they may have. Although, so far, as I said, Rodrigo's really stepped up. So has Benicius. Those two have been have proven to be really crucial in attack. And then you have guys from the second line who are also like stepping up like Valverde, like Modric, etc, uh, etc. Et so, I mean, uh, so far it's not too much of a problem, but I think going into the season, also taking into account there's a World Cup coming in, uh, unless they plan on signing someone in the in the winter transfer market, uh, we'll see how this Benzema situation uh, goes on during the rest of the season. Yeah, I think even, even Benzema, when he's not kind of at his sharpest or when he's not perhaps at his most lethal, even just having him as that reference point, as you say, the kind of movements that he makes, the kind of way that he makes everything rotate around him and makes Vinicius's movements better, he makes Rodrigo's movements better, I think that will be big for them, I think, even if he isn't 100% at his sharpest in El Clasico. 
Um, it is set up tantalisingly. They're both level on points <laughs> going into El Clasico at the Santiago, Santiago Bernabeu, and it, it should be fantastic. It's at uh, 4.15 Spanish time on Sunday, and in case you haven't already saved that date, which would have been an oversight on your part. But <laughs> we're going to cross across the city to Atletico Madrid, who beat Girona 2-1. Somehow, Angel Correa was at the double. He sort of scored a, uh, a brace for Atletico Madrid. And then there was Roro, Roro Riquelme, who, if I can say his name properly, didn't bother celebrating or certainly didn't want to celebrate it at his home at the Metropolitano. Girona really gave them quite a scare here, though. They were pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we, we know that Girona can attack very well. We saw it in that game against Real Sociedad the other day with a 5-3 result. But the problem is they can't defend very well either, or at least in these last few games they have been uh, struggling not to not to concede uh, more than a few goals. And unfortunately for them, uh, Atletico Madrid managed to get the job done uh, thanks to Angel Correa pretty quickly. But then, of course, they got that goal that... Um, Cut back and pick the result to 2-1. And they did have some chances. Stoney hit the post right towards the end. Uh, Giron were pressing. I mean, through their fullbacks, they have a lot of depth in that squad. And also, they have pretty good uh, attackers with Tati Castellanos, who's adapted quite well to this uh, La Liga competition. Coming from the MLS, a lot of people had doubts on whether, you know, his level would be good enough. But so far, he's proven to be a very uh, interesting striker. Stoney coming back was definitely a great boost for them, even though he did have to wait till till the end of the game to get his first few minutes. And then, of course, Rodrigo Riquelme, he's fantastically talented. Alex Garcia is really good, etc., etc. So, I mean, Girona has a lot of talent. And they really could have got that draw uh, towards the end because I, I was um, paying close attention to that game and I was looking uh, to see what Girona were capable of doing because they have had some really good results in the past against Atletico Madrid. But unfortunately for them this time, it wasn't the case and Atletico just scraped that uh, 2-1 win with those three points. Yeah, it was a bit of a double-edged sword for Atleti, this one, because um, Jan Black was back to his best, but the fact that you knew he was back to his best was a sign that Atleti did not play too well <laughs> in that second half. Um, we're going to skate on now towards perhaps one of the more exciting teams, one of the revelations, if you can put it that way. Gennaro Gattuso's Valencia got their first away win at Osasuna, and what was a really good performance. I, I thought they were really impressive, and they managed to finally take their home form and, and take it to El Sadar and, and win this match. Yeah, I mean, what Valencia are doing this season is, is pretty impressive. You know, they're already seventh, uh, three points away from uh, European competitions. And honestly, I think in some of those games at the beginning, they probably deserved a few more points there because they were playing very, very interesting football and maybe they were just a bit unlucky. But it seems like finally Gattuso's work is, is paying off, you know, for Valencia. And I really did think that against such a strong Osasuna, in their stadium and seeing that Valencia's away form doesn't tend to be too good I thought they would really struggle and that Osasuna uh, would take this one home but in the end surprisingly Valencia are just a very unpredictable team they've been like that for the last few seasons but now they're unpredictable and they're playing pretty good football which is at least better for them so in that sense uh, credit to Gattuso as we're saying also a couple of penalties missed I mean if Chimi would have scored that 2-1, maybe that could have changed things. But uh, unfortunately for them, it wasn't the case. He missed that. Um, and from there on, you know, Osasuna are always a team that never gives up. They always push, they push, they push. Uh, they got their goal right in, at the end. Uh, but, you know, one man down, a few minutes left, not much more to do. Uh, but yeah, credit to Osasuna. Because, I Sorry, credit to Valencia. Because they're doing a really good job. And they're finally looking good after so many seasons of suffering and suffering and suffering. 
Yes, we shall see if Gattuso can maintain this intensity um, because he is very intense and, and <laughs> Valencia are looking very intense. This game had everything. It had, uh, yeah, I think it was two or three red cards in total, two missed penalties, as you say. And uh, if you haven't already, check out Samuel Lino because he, he's been yeah. very impressive for me. Really exciting mm-hmm. player. And uh, comically enough, probably the best of Atletico Madrid's forwards this season. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to two very imperfect sides. Cadiz and Espanyol drew 2-0. Hosselu at the brace. Espanyol got back into it. I mean, Cadiz got back into it with a late Lucas Perez goal, but ultimately probably quite unlikely to, uh, quite unfortunate not to win this game. They had a free kick right in the last minute that hit the woodwork and... uh, and yeah, signs of life for Cadiz and uh, signs of uh, the same thing for Espanyol in this one. Yeah, Cadiz, little by little, they're starting to believe again, I think. Uh, they've been getting at least uh, points in the last few games. And you said they probably deserve the win here, but also against uh, Villarreal in the previous game. They had plenty of chances right towards the end and they could have easily taken the three points there. So uh, there's definitely an improvement they're working on. Uh, they're finally getting more goals. That was also something that the team was really struggling with. And so... Uh, finally Sergio's making things click a bit more and the confidence you can tell is is up you can see the players are a bit more um, into the game into what the team is doing so that's good for them and uh, Espanyol on the other hand well they have been quite unlucky of of late you know dropping points here and there at home also they're really struggling to find that rhythm that maybe uh, we thought Diego Martinez could bring to the club but uh, it's not been easy so far but uh, you know only six points uh, actually one underneath uh, Cadiz just has one point less so they're actually beginning to drop down more than I actually thought but yeah uh, with Diego Martina I would still give him time I still think there's a lot to improve on and hopefully if uh, he arrives until the tra- uh, window, sorry, the winter transfer market they can maybe bring in a few more players to, to make this squad a bit stronger Yes um, some painful goalkeeping again for Espanol yeah. Alvaro Fernandez was yeah not covering himself in glory and two of those those two goalkeepers, Lecomte and Fernandez, have the yips, uh, I believe, is the is the technical term, <laughs> because they're not doing too well. But a valuable point for Cadiz, as you say, Espanyol stay out of the relegation zone above Sevilla, who drops into it this weekend. Speaking speaking of first, uh, Almeria, I feel bad for putting them at the end, because they've finally scored <laughs> since Umar Sadiq le- left. They got three goals against Rayo Vallecano. They managed to uh, beat them 3-1 and... And yeah, it was an impressive first half from Almeria and finally Ruby seems to have eased the pressure on himself because it was looking pretty dire without Sadiq, but now perhaps they have the confidence back. Maybe they can just kind of return to normal Almeria in inverted commas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have to build on this for sure. As you said, since Sadiq had left, uh, no goals. That was like four games, I think, without a single goal. And also like... uh, barely generating opportunities you know it was like they've really lost the heart and soul of their attack and they were really struggling to find someone to replace him and of course they're still going to struggle uh, I don't think there's any reference yet at the moment who can lead Almeria forward but still to see them score goals to really basically finish the game in the first 45 minutes with three goals was very impressive and Roby really needed it Almeria really needed the players the fans the club itself and against a pretty good team like Rayo Vallecano you know who can always uh, be a problem uh, even if they're playing away but um, despite that I mean Rayo have been looking a bit less consistent this season we could say you know there's they're not the Rayo from last season the first half of of the league where they were just so strong at home and and away maybe not as strong but still you know you can tell they were a really um, good team but this season it's not looking great for them and um, Almeria on the other hand 
the bad news is that they're going to lose Mbarba for the next game, who, if I'm not mistaken, gave two assists uh, in that match. So he was very important for them going forward. But uh, sending off towards the end will be a bit of a problem for Rubio. But hopefully, as I said, they can build on this because Almeria have a decent squad. Uh, they're just maybe lacking that reference in attack, which hopefully will surge from somewhere in the next few games at least. Yes, uh, entertaining squad building from Almeria, constructing a really quite good squad, as you say, but not having that goal scorer. I think Bilal Toure doesn't quite have the record that Sadiq had. Mm. But yes, an important win for Ruby and Almeria. I think that wraps us up for the show. On Monday night, Elche, still without a manager, it'll be Alberto Gallego from the Elisitano side, who's in charge against Mallorca as they host them. But no replacement for Francisco yet. I'll just come to you for one final thought, Roman. What mm-hmm. was your highlight of the weekend? Well, my highlight of the weekend, uh, I'd have to say probably Almeria's three goals, honestly, uh, because they were really struggling, as we said. I mean, I was I was quite worried for Rui, who I kind of sympathise with, and I've, I've liked to see his career as a manager. But then, you know, it kind of felt like everything was going wrong after all the hard work he'd been doing to bring the team up. Uh, to La Liga and finally getting these goals I think it's going to really help the, the squad or the club as a whole so I mean for me the highlight is, is Almeria's first half performance Yeah Almeria yeah much needed as you say and Diego Lopez as well another Espanol keep goalkeeper now at Rayo still having the yips he he was responsible for that first goal uh, my moment of the week in case in case the listeners were interested was Mikel <laughs> Vesca's strike um, because nice that's one. terrific um, really good but uh, yeah I'll thank you very much for your time Roman it was great to go over the, the weekend in La Liga again with you great to join you always and uh, and yeah we'll, we will speak to you again on Thursday or on Thursday when we preview the upcoming La Liga weekend which includes El Clasico of course so make sure you tune in for that but thank you for listening make sure you go and check out our Substack, stack La Liga Lowdown com where you'll find analysis and written pieces from our wonderful team and follow us on Twitter at La Liga Lowdown. Until then, hasta luego, enjoy the Champions League and enjoy this commentary of Mikel Vesca's strike. Derecha de Marcos, abre ya para el lateral, el Gudari levanta la cabeza, pone el centro, no llega Iñaki, ves Gachuta, bacalao, 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 el misil tierra. Oh.